Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we have spent the week looking at God's holiness, and we've already looked at it in terms of the doctrine of God's holiness and the duty of God's holiness, and now today we're moving on to the delight of God's holiness. And, and you know, that's not just a, a, a cute alliteration, doctrine, duty, and delight. It's actually the way that we should view all of theology. Theology is meant to be for our head, for our hearts, and for our hands. And ultimately, if theology stays in our heads and doesn't come out through our hearts into worship of God, then it actually fails to meet the end for which God designed it. So today, we're looking at God's holiness being our delight. Brothers, how have you delighted in the holiness of God? I think in some ways it's just uh, a shorthand way of saying that we delight in, in God. Um, in Psalm 29, I just remember the first time that I truly read Psalm 29. I think I read it, I don't know how many times prior, but it was probably about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and I was teaching a course on, on the Psalms and came to Psalm 29. And it's a psalm that really deals with ascribing to the Lord glory, and it starts with, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Hmm. And you think when you hear the word worship thrown around and, and bantered around in today's evangelical world, the word holiness is not often in that conversation. Yeah. And it becomes about your own personal experiences and my own felt needs and my own emotional um, uh, state of being during the course of quote-unquote worship. But the psalmist here is saying, no, worship is ascribing to the Lord what he's due in his glory and in the splendor. Holiness is not something negative here. Yeah. It's it's his splendor. Yeah. And it goes on to say, well, creation knows this about God. Mm-hmm. And creation ascribes to him glory. Mm-hmm. And then what convicted me about this is if creation knows how to glorify God, how come I don't? How come I'm not willing to ascribe to him the glory that's due to him? How come I don't worship him in the splendor of his holiness when I know more than than creation does about redemption? Um, and so it was very convicting for me. Yeah. Well, I think when you talk about you know redemption and uh, you know what we have because uh, we've been bought with that price of the Lord Jesus' blood. Um, we're born again to a living hope, as First Peter uh, tells us, and we've been, we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Um, when you 
realize the holiness of God and at what cost he, he purchased that for us, then one, um, you're undone first by it, and then secondly, you, you begin to delight you know, uh, in, in him. You, you've been found by him, and because you've been found by him, though you don't see him, you love him, First uh, Peter talks about. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory um, as you obtain the outcome of your faith. And I I remember one particular time I'd uh, you know I, I can remember a, a season in Oregon I was in seminary at this time and feeling the weight of all these different things coming upon me the studies uh, you know the late night hours all these things and I'd gone away and I was on a retreat and began to think about my own sinfulness and everything then began to think about the the purchase of God and. I, I had to leave the meeting. It was I was being I felt so overwhelmed. I walked out in the in the night air and I I just in in an unimaginable moment, I can't even recreate it. I felt that joy inexpressible and filled with glory. And I think that's part of delighting in the holiness of God. Absolutely. You know, I, I as you're saying this, I'm thinking of David's one thing. So in Psalm twenty seven, verse four. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord. Now that's an incredible statement just to open up the verse because he's the king, he's rich, he has all power, he can get anything he wants at any time. And he says, only one thing I want. One thing I've asked of the Lord, that would I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire into his temple. Now that verse doesn't explicitly mention God's holiness, but but God's beauty is his holiness. Right. I mean, that's why uh, the, the angels, I mean, the angels in heaven are crying out, holy, 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 and they mean multiple different things by that, but they don't mean less than, God, you are infinitely beautiful and worthy. That's why David wants to spend all of his time at the temple and inquire into this thing called God's holiness. It's the thing that, you know, Stephen Charnock has this great <laughs> quote, the Puritan Stephen Charnock. He says, when we take the, pic- when we take the picture of a man, we draw the most beautiful part. The face, which is a member of the greatest excellency. If God were to be drawn, we would his his beauty is seen in his holiness. You know, power is in his arm, omniscience in his is in his eye, mercy is in his bowels, eternity is in his duration, but holiness is in his beauty. I think that's I think people when we ask that question, what do you think about God's holiness? I don't think anybody would say ew if they really understood what it means to be in the presence of a beautiful holy God. It's interesting that um, Jesus is at one of those moments in time where probably here on earth his, his life was going to be the hardest. He's, he's in the upper room with his disciples. He's preparing them for what's going to unfold later that night. Um, he's going to very shortly go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's wrestling with God in prayer about what lies ahead, the horror of becoming a sin offering um, for his people and and taking upon himself the sins of all of his people and and on the on the on the cusp of that he's he's coming to his disciples to pray for them and in John 17 this wonderful prayer where he's talking to his disciples to continue to encourage and you would think that he would refer to his heavenly father at that point as loving father 
or gracious father or compassionate father because he's he's wanting them he's wanting his father to take care of not only the disciples in the room but all of the people that will be but twice in that prayer he adds an ad one just only one adjective before father and it's holy mm-hmm. father um and i i find that fascinating because it's not the one I don't think it's the adjective we would use. Yeah. I don't think it's the adjective we use in those moments in our ta- in our lives where we we feel this sense of of the weight of what's coming and we we would go to our heavenly father and say loving father would yeah. you please and at that moment Jesus says holy father. Yeah. He's delighting in the holiness of his father. Yeah. I think in 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 both in in that and in the Lord's prayer when we're hallowing the Lord's name, I think we have both a sense of the transcendent majesty of God, His total otherness, and yet by saying "Father," the intimate um, uh, reality of His nearness. Um, you have both at the same time. You can delight in the fact that He's totally other, and and yet at the same time, He is called you to himself and adopted you into his family. Yeah, and this this holiness that we've been talking about helps family the family of God actually to be bound together in love. Um, Jonathan Edwards has this great sermon called Heaven is a World of Love, and he wrestles with the idea of how in heaven envy and jealousy will be done away with because in 1 Corinthians 3, it's very clear that that some people will have greater rewards than others because that's just the way that if a person is saved in the la- in the eleventh hour, you know they're going to be saved fully, justified, and with God forever. But they're not going to have the same type of rewards as like an apostle Paul who labored for years and years and years. And so Edwards wrestles with the idea: Well, how will envy and jealousy be done away with? And his answer is the holiness of God. He says those saints that are that are rewarded with with greater reward. He goes, what's the nature of that reward? He says it's he says it's conformity to Christ. And so when the when those saints that have a less reward look at the saints with that higher reward, they don't envy them and jealous them. They actually love them more because they're more like Christ. And then those saints that have that greater degree of reward, they don't look at the the those saints with lesser reward with disdain because of the fact that they have this greater conformity to Christ. They love them more. And so holiness is that thing that binds saints together in heaven. It's really remarkable. If you have not read Heaven is a World of Love by Jonathan Edwards, that's a what's well, Edwards, so it's it's fairly accessible. <laughs> <laughs> We, we are giving away a couple of Edwards Holiness in the Lord um, at the conference. Just another plug to register at ReformationBoise.com. Awesome. Well, this is, um, we are coming up upon the conference. It's Reformation Boise, and uh, the theme this year is living in between. One of the sessions actually is on the holiness of God. Now, is that going to be Dr. David Murray or Anthony Savaggio? Uh, that is Dr. Murray. Okay. And Dr. Murray, we just did interviews with uh, both of our speakers last week on the program. If you missed those, you can just go to the website. But the great thing about both these guys is they have written several books on practical theology. Um, they are very gifted men in terms of taking these ideas about who God is and what our duty is and bringing it down to the level of depression and changing diapers and then all of these things that you and I do on a regular basis. And you've had personal interaction with Dr. David Murray, right? Yep. So Dr. Murray was a professor of mine in seminary, probably took a half a dozen classes from him and just 
not only a, a godly man that lives out what he's teaching, but has just a way uh, with words um, and a way to take these profound theological and doctrinal truths and, and apply them practically to the day-to-day living. I was really encouraged by him on the program last week because he talked about depression. And he said before he had suffered a bout of depression that he was one of those Christians that believed that Christians don't get depressed. And then he he got hit really hard. And um, I don't know if you guys have, have suffered with depression or anxiety or just that melancholy of soul, but it was so encouraging to hear this man who God has used in, in great ways just talk about his personal struggles and how God and the gospel is the answer to those things. Mm. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was one of those that um, really wrestled with depression um, a large part of his life, and that's I'm trying to think of the book that I just read with his interaction between him and this slave in the United States, and the title of the book escapes me. Yeah. That's not Spurgeon's Sorrows, is it? No, it's that's not. Zach okay. S. One. That's a that's a great book. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, our other speaker is uh, Anthony Savaggio, and he's a minister out of New York, and he's written also several different practical theology books. Um, he's going to be speaking on um, the issue of self-denial, and I think if you come to the conference, you'll be pleasantly surprised what that means and how that will minister to your soul. If you haven't registered yet, if you just simply go to reformationboise.com, um, you can click the register link there. And the great thing about this conference is it is for free. Several churches have made a coalition together and have paid for the speakers, have paid for the facility. It's going to be at uh, Meridian Church of the Nazarene. I always mess that up. Is that Valley correct? Shepherd. Valley Shepherd. Valley, Valley Shepherd, Shepherd. Yeah. yes. And it's going to be Friday, November 9th in the evening, and then it'll be Saturday uh, on the 10th. We're going to bring in food trucks. We're going to give away books. We're going to have worship. We're going to have fellowship with the saints. And most importantly, you're going to be able to hear the Word of God preached to your soul. So we hope that you can make it. If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can register there. We'll see you next time. Real quickly, the name of the book is (laughs) Steal Away Home. Steal Away Home. Thanks. See you next time. 